Happy Tuesday, Tony G Nation. The Tony G Show is back. I am Tony G, your host. No Will McCormick today. He's still on spring break. Can you believe that, kid? Golly, the kid is is out enjoying his spring break. I don't even think he's back on campus yet. He won't be until later tonight. So I have to go solo for today's Tony G Show in return from spring break. Spring break, which is, of course, never long enough. But this year, filled with college basketball, we won't be talking too much about that today. We'll talk about Badgers basketball towards the back end of the show. But that will come on Thursday when Will returns. We'll predict the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 because those are the next two rounds in the March Madness bracket before our next Tony G show. So that'll be Thursday when we'll focus on college basketball. Today we have a great show planned for you. We're going to do the State of the Green Bay Packers because a lot has been up in the air. And this is something I know Will wants to talk about. And maybe we'll talk about it again sometime soon. But ever since I left for the Tony G show for uh, for spring break, that was our last show was like the 10th. I was kind of sick and I, had, you know, a lot of stuff hasn't broke down with the Packers by that point. Spring break, things really got going. It seemed like in a matter of three or four hours, the Packers made three or four moves that were just completely blockbuster, re-signing guys, cutting guys, uh, the whole Aaron Rodgers news. So the state of the Green Bay Packers will lead today's show, and I will talk about the changes that have been made. One star wide receiver who has left the organization for another organization. That is the state of the Green Bay Packers to lead off our show. Our second segment, I'm going to switch to baseball. Because I think that there is a team that just committed to overpay a player, and it is, I'm going to dub it, the overpay of the century. That's a little dramatic. You know, I don't know every contract given out for the last century, but this is a heavy overpay by this organization for this player. That'll be in the second segment. And then our third segment, another Wisconsin sports highlight, Wisconsin Badgers basketball, the state of them after they won in the round of 64, the first round and then advance to the round of 32, just to come up short. So that is our show today. Before we get going, I have a couple things to mention to you, Tony G Nation. Tomorrow, Wednesday, the 23rd, another Tony G Show interview is going to come out. The first of the March series. It hasn't. I haven't been able to release a March interview because I've been sick. I've been away from campus for spring break. So now that I'm back to campus, fully healthy, 100%, will be back Thursday. Things are starting to look like normal again. I can finally get back to getting out some interviews. Mike Walrick, the head coach for the St. Norbert College baseball team, I was able to talk to him, get him for some time. That interview will be released tomorrow on Wednesday, as usual, for Tony G Show interviews, so look out for that. Also on my website, TonyGNation.com, my SNC Talk video is out. They have the, the SNC Talks, the organization, the school has edited that video down for all the speakers. It's on YouTube as well. And if you remember from a few weeks ago on the Tony G Show, I mentioned about SNC Talks. I mentioned how I gave a speech about alcohol, my perspective of it, and how I want society to look at it. So that whole talk is on my website. If you go to TonyGNation.com, you just go over to the More tab and you click down on Demo. All my professional work is in there as well. So you will be able to watch that. It's also on St. Norbert College's YouTube channel as well. So that's an SNC talk from Tony G. And again, lots of moving parts in the sports world. There are so many things to talk about. I already have Thursday's script or uh, show plan planned out. It's already made. 
Thursday show is already. I could tell you right now, I'm, it's going to be basketball, and I'm going to argue for a few more things. There's been some quarterbacks moving around. Carson Wentz is no longer a Colt as of today. Matt Ryan is a Colt, no longer a Falcon. Deshaun Watson is finally going to play next year. It's looking like for the Browns, Baker Mayfield, their former quarterback, is up in the air. What's going to happen with him? Aaron Rodgers has committed to the Packers in a contract that is, with the details finally given out. So many things up in the air in the sports world. And I can't wait to discuss them with you. We have a lot to unpack. We'll start today. We'll miss Will McCormick, but he'll be back on Thursday. This is Season 8, Episode 12 of the Tony G Show. Follow me on Twitter at Tony G Nation. That's also my website, TonyGNation.com. And then follow me on Instagram as well at Tony Giordano. Sound good? Got a good plan for today? All right, let's do it, Tony G Nation. Again, Season 8, Episode 12. This is the Tony G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of the Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. Seems like everybody is getting sick. That's not why Will is out today. Again, no Will McCormick today. He's still on spring break. He'll be back Thursday ready to go. But it just seems like everybody's getting sick. Everyone around me has been sick. And I'm getting over myself a sinus infection I had a few weeks ago. But because of all this sickness going around, I'm a big disinfectant spray guy. And so in Tony G Studios, I have disinfected, sprayed my whole microphone stand. I did that about a week ago when I was sick, getting over my illness. It was actually almost two weeks ago. About 10 days ago that I sprayed this thing down and it just smells like disinfectant spray. Like I maybe went a little overboard with the microphone situation because now I am just feel like I'm huffing in disinfectant fumes. But uh, what are you going to do? At least I know there's no germs here, right? Okay. Look at the positives. We'll start today's show talking about the Green Bay Packers. A lot has gone down since we last met. I'm going to give you a breakdown of all the changes since this new season, the new fiscal year for the NFL has started in 2022 and the offseason has been going on. Free agency has kicked off as of the 16th, which was last Wednesday. So focusing on the Green Bay Packers, I'll tell you about all the changes that they have made and we'll break down the state of the Green Bay Packers in segment number one. Here's the big news. Last week, Thursday, the Green Bay Packers officially traded Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders for two 2022 draft picks, a 22nd and a 20, or excuse me, a 22nd and a 53rd coming up just about a month from now in the 2022 draft. I'll be honest, I saw Devontae to Las Vegas coming. I think we all did, we just didn't want to accept it. We saw the news that Devontae Adams bought that $12 million house in Las Vegas. And if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. I mean, if you look at that and go, well, I mean, that doesn't really say anything. Come on now. You don't buy a $12 million house and not intend to move into it full time. Devontae has, and this is something that has been speculated for seasons and seasons now, ever since this whole Aaron Rodgers thing and the state of the Packers has been up in the air with Devontae Adams. Is he coming back? Is Aaron Rodgers coming back? What's the defense looking like? It seems like ever since Matt LaFleur took over, after that first year, things have just even even that first year, things have been kind of up in the air. Are the Packers going to have what it takes to make a deep run? Is Matt Lafleur going to be good enough to be a head coach in the NFL and work with Aaron Rodgers? They're 
beefing on the sideline, and that's not the case. It just seems like everything has been up in the air since Matt LaFleurs took over. And since Devontae Adams has been one of those qualities, we have all speculated that, or at least heard speculation that is kind of believable, that Devontae Adams wants to play with Derek Carr, the quarterback in Las Vegas for the Raiders. They played together at Fresno State. They've had a great relationship ever since then. And ever since Devontae Adams bought that $12 million home in Las Vegas, it kind of, the writing was on the wall. I mean, if we're thinking logically, the writing was there, that Devontae Adams is not going to be a Green Bay Packer. Even if you think about even before he bought that home, which came after this season concluded, the most recent 2021 campaign concluded. Coming into the season, both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams did that cryptic thing on Instagram where they tweeted... I guess not tweeted, it's Instagram. You don't tweet on Instagram, but where they put on their stories the last dance of Michael Jordan, and everyone was like, holy cow, is this going to be the last dance? Are they both going to part ways after they're going to go win a Super Bowl in Green Bay and then part ways, and it's going to be like, holy cow, this is the last dance, a documentary-style season. I think ever since then, Devontae knew. Devontae knew deep in his heart that he was not going to be a Green Bay Packer past last season. He just knew. It's just how it was. And for more reasons than just him playing with Derek Carr, this is something I saw coming. There's a better cap situation in Las Vegas. And if you compare it to Green Bay, before they made some of the moves, which I'll mention in a moment, the Green Bay Packers, I've said it multiple times here on the podcast and elsewhere, that the Packers were in cap hell after last year. That's what it was. That's what it was. Forty-some million dollars over over their cap penalty that they had. I mean, they had to clear $40 million of cap space with Aaron Rodgers wanting a new contract, with Devontae Adams wanting a new contract, with guys like Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith still getting paid, with guys like Jair Alexander, who is now eligible to be re-signed to a second contract. So with all these moving parts and all, all of this stuff up in the air, you know, Robert Tunyon, Alan Lazard, guys like that under new contracts or under expiring contracts, the Packers had to do a lot to clear some cap room. But the Packers have a plan. And I give I give that quote, the Packers have a plan, to Andrew Brandt on Twitter. Not like I know him, but he tweeted he tweeted that a couple weeks ago. And I thought, you know, that's a really relaxing idea. A guy who used to work in the Packers front office doesn't anymore, more or less just covers the NFL. But he said, the Packers have a plan. It's not like they're just going into this offseason blindly and going, well, what are we going to do next? What's our next move? They went into this offseason with a plan, and they have since done that again in moves I'll mention in a moment, but it just seems like the right fit for Devontae to go there because they have the cap room to give him the contract he wants and rightfully deserves a lot of people saying he's 29 years old. It doesn't matter. He's the best wide receiver in football, has been for the last three, four seasons. He has the best footwork. He's quick. He has the best hands. I mean, he's, he's just a guy that you need to pay. He needs to be the highest paid wide receiver in football. That's just the way it is. It's just the way it has to be. And so the, the Raiders did do that. They used their better cap situation to pay Devontae in a way that he deserved to get paid. He deserved that money. A lot of people on Twitter debating if he deserves this type of money. He deserves it, all right? There's no debate. You can't say he's top two not to, and then he gets traded to the team you don't like or gets traded away from the team you do like and go, well, he doesn't deserve to get paid. He, maybe he's not the best. That, okay, come on now. Remove that lens. Remove that bias. You know, he deserves to get paid this way. Signed to a five-year, $141.25 million contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. That means he's going to get over $141 million 
for the next five years. Highest paid wide receiver in football. Yeah, knew that was coming. Deserved it. So that's Devontae Adams' situation. He's no longer a Packer. He's in Las Vegas. And I tell you what, I wish him the best of luck. From a Wisconsin market, from Green Bay, 15 minutes away from Lambeau Field is where Tony G Studios sits. So I've been able to watch Devontae Adams closely through a Packer lens, through a Wisconsin market lens for the last couple of seasons. And I thank him for everything he did for this organization, for not doubting himself when he had a rocky start to his career, when he seemingly couldn't catch a cold, right? Things would be thrown at him and he'd drop him, he'd just clank him. He had that sophomore slump where he wasn't getting his way on the field. He just kind of wasn't finding his groove. And he stuck with it. He didn't doubt himself. He didn't get mad at, at Packers fans or, or Green Bay markets for blasting him. And he just stuck with it. He rode through it and made himself the best wide receiver in football. So best of luck to you, Devontae. Number 17 in Green Bay forever. He'll be part of the Packers Hall of Fame one day. And Packers GM Brian Gutekunst said that in a statement after they traded Devontae Adams. Listen, this is business. This is a move that had to get made because the Packers couldn't pay Devontae the way he wanted to get paid. They had to franchise tag him. And he said, I'm not going to pay for that. I'm not going to play for that amount of money. Rightfully so. He deserved to get this type of money out in Las Vegas. So he gets traded to Las Vegas. It's business. Now what are the Packers doing after that, what's the situation with the Packers after they get rid of Devontae Adams? Well, before that before that move, some of the changes I'm going to mention happened before and after the, the Devontae Adams thing. So just keep that in mind that I'm going to mention these not in chronological order. Just you know, kind of mention them as changes since this new season has started, since free agency opened up on the 16th about a week ago. Change number one, the Packers have released outside linebacker Zadarius Smith. He reportedly signed a $35 million deal with the Baltimore Ravens, his former team before he was a Packer, and then he backed out of that deal. So he didn't put pen to paper yet. This was terms that were agreed upon. He was going to go sign and be a Raven once again. Seemingly the right move if you think about it in hindsight or just think about it from a bird's eye view looking down. The guy who started made his name, who he was with the Ravens, goes to the Packers, gets released because of cap situations, and he's going to go back to the Ravens and pretty much round out his career. Just makes sense. Well, then he backs out of that deal for reasons that were never really specified. I don't know if it was anything personal for Baltimore. I doubt it was because he has a good relationship with the Ravens. But then he goes and tours with the Vikings just yesterday, the division rivals of the Green Bay Packers. So maybe, you know, hey, going to stick it to the Packers over there in, in Minnesota. So that's Darius Smith. He's no longer a Packer. Billy Turner has been released as well. I think that's a good move financially. That's a move that I said they had to make at, at the onset of the offseason. When things started getting going and you're looking at cap situation and you're like, the Packers are in it. You know what I mean? If you, once you realized, once I realized the Packers were in cap hell, they had to get rid of Billy Turner. That was a move that I completely agree with. It was a great move financially. It's business. Wish him the best of luck. Thank him for the two or three seasons he gave to Green Bay. But he can no longer be a Green Bay Packer just because they gave him a lot of money. They extended Preston Smith. The Smith brothers, Darius. he's gone. Preston, he stays. A guy I thought that they were going to release as well. I thought they were going to release both Smith brothers. 
But what they did is they extended Smith's contract and off-put some of the money they had to give him now to seasons in the future to free up cap space again now heading into this offseason. They gave Preston Smith an extension of $52 million for four years. Here's the interesting part, I think, that we have to keep in mind. Only $12.2 million guaranteed of that $52 million. Only twelve point two. So there's about $40 million that is floating in that contract that is not guaranteed to Preston Smith. So what this tells me is the Packers will use him this year, give him, give him that extension, but not guarantee his money so that they can release him and save themselves some breathing room in a year or two in the future when they need some more cap space because that's just the way things go in sports. They're not the Los Angeles Dodgers where they get $500 million. Now, that's an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying. They're the Green Bay Packers. They don't have infinite amount of money. So they're just off-putting some of the money. They're guaranteeing him $12.2 million and probably going to release him after this year, next year. Don't be blindsided when that happens. They also extended Devondre Campbell, a move I wanted them to make. I thought that they should have released Preston. I thought that was going to happen. I'm not mad that they kept him, though. I would have been mad if they got rid of Devondre Campbell, though. I know that you have to pay him. I know that they didn't have the most money, but he was a guy who has worked his behind off as a Falcon and now a Packer getting signed to that one-year deal where he got paid in like 500 He got paid, like you could sign a check. You could have paid him in cash. They got him, they gave, got him for such a steal. It wasn't even like 600000 They got it. Okay, maybe that's an exaggeration as well. I like exaggerating today, I guess. But the point is, Devondre Campbell worked himself as an all-pro, which is a higher accolade than a pro bowler because the pro bowl is just voted on by fans. That's a popularity contest. Devondre Campbell really worked and grinded to be an all pro. They gave him that extension of five years, 50 million. Again, again, of this 50 million, they have said they are going to give Campbell only 15 million of that 50 is guaranteed. There's $35 million floating in this contract that is not guaranteed to Devondre Campbell. These facts are important. Because I think that it won't be a surprise then when the Packers release Preston or Devondre Campbell a year or two or three or four down the road. What the Packers do that for and what organizations do that for is to leave themselves some breathing room. So that once the contract is starting to get a little pricey and a little dicey for the Packers and these organizations that have these cap space situations that they have to work themselves out of, they're going to leave themselves some breathing room. So if they guaranteed all $50 million to Devondre Campbell, well, now they're sitting there. They have to pay him that $50 million. And that is, you know, in the state of this contract, this is $35 million that they haven't guaranteed to him, that that is $35 million that they can save themselves in future cap space. It's just the way it works. So I think that's important. Keep that in mind. It's great that these guys are re-signed. They are for sure going to be packaged for the 2022 season. But after that, don't be surprised if their time in Green Bay has come to an end. Also, what the Packers did is they gave Randall Cobb a pay cut. Who This works two ways. I don't know if you know this, but this is the way it works. I remember they've done this with offensive linemen for as long as I can remember. I think they've done this with Josh Sitton in the past. They've done it with TJ Lang in the past. David Bakhtiari has taken two or three pay cuts. And now Randall Cobb's turn. Hey, Randall, our wide receiver, who our star quarterback, our back-to-back MVP quarterback, loves who our star quarterback will not step foot onto the field if you are not on the field, 
We need you to take a pay cut. We're in a cap situation. We can't pay you this $8.5 million. We're going to have to take $5.5 million off the table and give you three for this year. Cobb agreed to it. Cobb had no problem with it. Oh, maybe he maybe he had a problem. Would you have a problem losing $5.5 million? Yeah, maybe. Cobb is a multimillionaire who's been playing since 2011 was his first year. So he's pretty well off, but, you know, it's still $5.5 million that you're not going to make. But it's a move that the Packers had to do. It was either it was pretty much either this or pay him eight and a half million and find someone else to cut that five and a half million that they got from Cobb out of their contract. Since that, it seemed like this happened boom, boom. All these trades happened like one, two, three, uh, or moves, I should say, transactions. But the Packers, once they did this with Randall Cobb, they went and signed a punter. Now, this is a problem they've had for years since they drafted J.K. Scott, a guy who I liked out of the draft. You know, you don't necessarily draft punters all that often, but when you do, you think, well, maybe the organization really likes this guy, and this is a guy who has potential to be a 60, 70-yard punter on a windy day, a guy who can flip field position. Well, they spent a sixth-round pick on J.K. Scott, and the guy couldn't punt the ball across the, the, the room at Tony G Studios. I mean, it was like this guy is not a professional punter. Package released him, went with Corey Bajorquez, the left-handed uh, the left-footed punter that I thought had a great year last year for the Green Bay Packers. Hey, thank you for your time. But then the Packers went out and shored up their punting situation. I did the stats on Pat O'Donnell. Has had four punts blocked in his career, so a guy who can get some punts off has had a, a, a very solid net yardage. I don't want to get too far into it because it's a punter, but a guy who I like this signing. Not to mention Pat O'Donnell is a former Chicago Bear, has been since 2014. Okay, I'll take it. Hey, just do the Adrian Amos. You know, do the Jim McMahon. Come over to the good side. Welcome to the Green Bay Packers. After that, a couple days later, the Green Bay Packers extended Razul Douglas, that cornerback who had a stellar five-interception season in 2021. Three years, $21 million for Razul, worth up to $25.5 million in incentives. I like that contract. I think he earned that. I don't think that's an overpay. Maybe it's, when you think strategy here for the Packers, they have Alexander, Jair, they have uh, Eric Stokes, and now Razul Douglas all under contract for next season. You wonder if this is Jair's last year. This is the last year of his rookie deal. He's eligible for a new contract. He rightfully wants to be paid as the highest cornerback. He's the best cornerback in the NFL. I don't know that he should be asking for that after being injured. You know, he was injured in week four, didn't necessarily return till late in the season. So I don't know if this is the best year to say I want to be the highest paid cornerback, but I get it. I mean, he's talented. He's quick. He's instinctive. I think that's something that's overlooked. When you think about qualities in a quarterback or, or someone in the secondary, you got to think instinct, and Jair has that. So when you look at the Green Bay Packers situation at cornerback, is this the writing on the wall that Jair might might hit the road after next year? We're going to re-sign our second and third string guys. We're going to you know, stick with our rookie Eric Stokes, and we're going to roll without you, Jair. You wonder if that's what this I, – I don't know that that – you know, I, I don't know that they would let Jair walk that easily. I think they're going to put up a fight and offer him some high-paying contracts, and I think they should. But you, it just makes me wonder. And then just yesterday, I don't even have this – I don't even have this on my uh, my show plan. I had to look this up in pre-show because it happened just so recently. The Green Bay Packers also re-signed Robert Tunyon, 
the tight end who tore his ACL in Arizona last year, week seven, missed the entire rest of the season. And so it's not the best year for Robert Tunyon to hit free agency. But the Packers re-signed him. They, they re-upped him, gave him, from what it looks like, what I'm finding is just under $2 million, a $1.8 million deal for next year. That's it. So just next year on the contract. Those are some of the changes. You caught all that? Did you write it down? Of course, the Devontae Adams switch, Zadarius Smith, Billy Turner, Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell, Randall Cobb, Pat O'Donnell, Razul Douglas, Robert Tunyon, not to mention Aaron Rodgers has officially gotten like $150 million for the next three years. So a lot of changes, a lot of moving parts up in the air for the Green Bay Packers, but that's the way it's got to be. I mean, the Packers were in cap hell, cap salary hell for the last couple of months, and they worked their way out of it. They had a plan. So what are some of the main points I want to I wanna shore up here? There's more cap room now. There's just about $2 million of cap space they have to clear up, I think, from the way I've looked at it, the sources that I've looked at, this isn't something that I am fully caught up on because there's been so many changes, and I don't think that some of these outlets have put together all the numbers yet in in a sure way that this is what they have moving forward. So there's they're floating around good cap space now. I mean, they if they do have stuff they have to clean up, you know, if they do have a couple million dollars they have to clean up, they can do that. They know how to do that. But if they also have some room to play with, hey. We're in free agency. <laughs> you know what I mean? You need some wide receivers now that Devontae Adams is gone. Who are your wide receivers after Adams? Randall Cobb, who is going to be playing in, what, his 10th, 11th season. He's older. Alan Lazard, who's known for his blocking. He can go downfield and make a couple plays. But after that, Equinemius St. Brown, he signed in Chicago. He's no longer – he's still in the, in the division, but he's no longer a Packer. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he is a free agent. Amari Rodgers, who has been mostly used on special teams. That's your third-string wide receiver. So obviously something is going to break here. Either in free agency with some of the names that are out there with T.Y. Hilton or some of those other guys, or they're going to use some draft picks. Now we know this has been a topic of discussion. I just filled in for Marcus Eversall on Sportsline last Thursday and Friday for my friends over at The Fan, 107.5 on WDUZ. And I talked about this with Chris Hobble on Sportsline. I said... I don't know that the Packers, the Packers have more draft picks now. They have five total draft picks in the first three rounds. They have two first-round picks, they have two second-round picks, and they have a third-round pick. They have 11 total picks coming up. I don't know, this is a wide receiver-heavy draft, I don't know that they do a wide receiver in the first round. They haven't done it for the last two decades. I don't. Everyone's talking about, well, they have two first-round picks now. They're for sure going to do that. Yeah, I remember when we thought they were going to do that in 2019, and they drafted... Rashawn Gary and Darnell Savage, they were both great picks, but we thought they would go wide receiver, and they didn't. 2020, they th- we thought they'd go wide receiver, and they went Jordan Love. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, for the last two decades, we've thought, we've thought, we've sat here and said the Packers are for sure going first-round wide receiver. And we've wrote it in the books like it's going to happen, and then draft day comes, and that does not happen. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it won't, but I'm saying it probably won't, Okay. I'm not for sure saying they aren't going to draft a wide receiver in that first round, but they just haven't done that in the past. How many years have we thought they're going to go wide receiver first round, even second round? That year that they got Jordan Love was 2020. I thought for the last four rounds, for those first four rounds of that draft, I thought they would go wide receiver. I saw that they were 
you know, next pick or they were on the board and I started looking through some of the available guys and I was like, here's a wide receiver, here's a wide receiver, and then they go Josiah DeGuara in the third round. Okay, well, really? I'm just saying, how many times have we thought the Packers are going to draft a wide receiver and they don't do it? They trust their guys. They sign in free agency when they have to or they make trades when they have to. That's something they're not known for doing as well. But we'll see. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying it probably won't happen. Another point I want to consider here is that losing Devontae Adams, it sucks. The guy gave a lot to Green Bay, was very successful here, worked his way to being. I mean, you just lost. Forget the fact that Devontae is a great person and has earned a lot of respect from everybody around Green Bay. Forget all that for a second and just think about the on-field product. He's the best wide receiver in football. He is the best wide receiver in football. There it is. I said it. You know it. Deep down, you know it. So it sucks to lose that on-field production. It does. But it's not the worst thing in the world. Listen, it comes down to business. Just didn't have the money to pay him, the Packers, plain and simple. It was just a business move. Guys like, uh, you know, we talk about the moves that they did make, some of the moves they still have to make. I've mentioned Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary is coming up towards the back end of his contract. Uh, Darnell Savage, of course, to Elton Jenkins towards the back end of his contract. So some of these guys have to get paid. They just don't have the money to commit to Devontae Adams. They just didn't. They just did not have that space. Devontae just didn't want to play for the franchise tag. That's rightfully so. But it's not the worst thing in the world. Here's why I say that. The Packers historically have been good without him. Under Matt LaFleur, when Devontae Adams has missed a game because of injury or COVID like last year, the Packers are 7-0. and So I mean it. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like the sky is crashing down in Green Bay just because Devontae Adams isn't here. You know, I was listening just before we went on the show today. I was listening to some national markets Uh, some sports talk outlets, and they said that the Green Bay Packers are not Super Bowl favorites anymore. Why? What changed? They were last year. What changed? The fact that Devontae isn't there? Are you forgetting that the Packers are 7-0 without Devontae? I get that the Buccaneers are bringing Tom Brady back, which, by the way, come on, dude. Call it quits already. And the Rams are only getting better making because their Los Angeles market just going to buy their way to another successful season again. But you got to put the Packers up there. Are they not the team to beat in the NFL still? In the NFC at least? What? Just because they lost Devontae, a guy who they were undefeated without under their new head coach heading into his fourth year? Come on now. I, if you ask me, and I, I stick by this not just because it happened, because I would have said this before all these changes were made, I prefer Aaron Rodgers over Devontae Adams. If you had to give me. One of those two. You said the Packers can only keep one of these two. Which is better for the organization? Obviously, it's the back-to-back MVP. Obviously. The guy has made things work with some of his lesser-named wide receivers in the past. You know, think about a Miles Boykin or think about you know some of these other guys. He had <laughs> Devin Funch is a guy I always laugh when I think of because he chose to sit out you know, respectfully so, because of COVID in his first year and then got injured for his second year and he never played. <laughs> the Packers paid him just to say he was a Packer and then he never stepped foot on the field. I laugh about that. But this is what I'm saying is that Aaron Rodgers has made things work with subpar wide receivers, has made thing, things work with wide receivers who aren't Devontae Adams. Okay, the sky is not falling down. The Green Bay Packers are not going to finish 7-8 and 
eight this year, or seven and nine this year, or seven and ten this year with the seventeen games. Can't do math. But the point is that the, the Packers are still one of the better teams in the NFL, NFC at least. You mean to tell you mean to tell me that just because Devontae Adams is gone, that so are the Packers Super Bowl chances? I don't buy it. So if you ask me, overall, this is about what we've been working towards this entire segment. If you ask me, the Packers are still the team to beat in the NFC North. Still one of the teams to beat in the NFC. I think the Bucs are still good with Tom Brady. I think the Rams are still good. I think the Cardinals can be thrown up there as well. But when you think of the rest of the NFC, just offloaded Russell Wilson, just offloaded Devontae Adams. Those two big names are no longer here. Even if you think about Matt Ryan, a former MVP, is now in Indianapolis. Deshaun Watson stayed in the AFC. The NFC isn't that strong, talent-wise. So the Packers are still up there. I don't know how team, how, how these national networks and outlets can say that the Packers aren't one of the favorites to contend for a Super Bowl next year. you got to be joking. Of course they are. They're the Green Bay Packers who find ways to win with Aaron Rodgers, who is the back-to-back MVP. Sky is not falling in Green Bay, but that is the state of the Packers. They've cleared up some cap space in some tough but necessary moves. And one thing I want to tell you moving forward is just keep an eye on the guaranteed money that they are giving to their players. And it's not a lot of their contract. I just want to call that now because I think it's something we're going to see in the future. Again, only $12.2 million guaranteed of the $52 million for Preston Smith. $40 million that is not guaranteed. Devondre Campbell, only $15 million guaranteed of the 50. $35 million. Combined between those two, $75 million still up in the air that is not guaranteed to their players. Keep that in mind moving forward. That is the state of the Green Bay Packers. Very good segment. Uh, Will could have added to, to some of that discussion. I know he wants to. I know that he'll probably listen to this episode on his trip back to campus here at Tony G Studios. And I, I wish him safe travels, of course, and a good spring break as to the rest of you, Tony G Nation, as we move on with the rest of today's show. And now on to segment number two. I told you in the open of today's show that there was a team in Major League Baseball that just paid a player in Major League Baseball, and I dubbed it the overpay of the century. And then, you know, I backtracked a little bit and I said, I don't know all the contracts in the last century. I think it was a bit of an overstretch, a bit of a, bit of a reach, a bit of an exaggeration. I've done that a lot today, but I really mean this. This is the biggest overpay I have seen in recent years. The overpay I'm talking about is that the Colorado Rockies just signed outfielder Chris Bryant to a new deal out of free agency. Get this. Seven years, $182 million. That is $26 million a year, all of it guaranteed. Seven years, $182 guaranteed to Chris Bryant. Here's, here's the thing. you got to remember here that Tony G does his homework. This is a bad move because Chris Bryant is overrated as a free agent. He's an average baseball player at best. He's not somebody who's going to win another MVP. He's towards the back end of his career. Scouting reports have picked up on him. You know, players in Major League Baseball do this thing, and I guess it's all sports, but baseball, most notably for me as a sports fan, I see this, where 
these players have successful starts to their careers, and then four or five years after their successes, scouting reports catch up to them, their tendencies catch up to them. If nothing else, age catches up to them, and they're just not the same ball player anymore. Chris Bryant, his prime was about three or four years ago. It was. I don't know what you think this is anymore. You know, he's still productive. I'm not saying the guy's not worth anything. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be a valued free agent. It's just overvalue at this point. This contract is just paying him for that MVP he won in 2016, which was the same year that he won the World Series with the Cubs. That was a long time ago. He's not the same Chris Bryant anymore. He's not. It's not the same it's not the same baseball game that we're watching anymore. Things are different. Things are very different. And Chris Bryant just got 182 million dollars guaranteed to him for that MVP that he won 6 years ago. That's the case. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to frame that. This is an overpay. I remember when Alex Rodriguez was getting like 30 million a year and I thought that's a lot of money. That was back in 2010-11. I was like, that's a lot of money. Prince Fielder was getting like 24 with the Tigers. And it was like, these were the highest paid players in baseball. You weren't getting paid more than $30 million a year. And that was the best players that there were in the world getting paid that amount of money. You fast forward a decade later, and I get inflation. I get the economy and this and that. I get that the trend in sports is just continuing to increase. You know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is getting $50 million a year. I mean, like, I get that that's... Just the pay, and especially baseball, it's like players are just getting 37, 35, you know, 40, almost 40 million dollars a year. Like it's nothing. And I get that. That's the trend in sports. But Chris Bryan is not one of those players. Okay. Those high contracts that you see and they take the headlines because there's, it's just so much money. That's not the same thing here because Chris Bryan's not worth that. You know, if you want to sign him to a free agent deal, okay, that's fine. Give him. Give him 15 to $20 million a year. $20 million is very high to me. I wouldn't give him a dime more than 17 maybe 18 But 20 if someone signed him to get $20 million, maybe even like $21 million a year. But just that extra $5 million on top of those seven years, that's an extra $35 million that you th- just threw in this contract. Wow. What an overreach. I have numbers to back this up. Okay. I get that Chris Bryant, and another thing with him is that he's known for his power. Well, here's the thing. The Rockies just paid Chris Bryant for the next seven years of his career, if there even is seven years. But he is 30 years old. The last year of his deal is 2018, or excuse me, 2028. I saw the eight and just went 18, I guess. 2028 and 2029 is when he will be an unrestricted free agent again. He'll be 38. By the time this contract is up, 37-38. In his career, Chris Bryant averages about a 260 batting average, 20 to 25 home runs per year. I, I don't know. This isn't something I've thought through uh, a whole lot before. I haven't looked at too many different contract situations recently in terms of this perspective and this twist I'm going to put on it. But if you're paying a guy more money per year in millions of dollars, then he hits home runs per year, that's an overpay. That is an overpay. 
especially at this upper echelon. You know, if you're getting a guy, if you're getting a guy 15 million a year, he should be hitting 15 bombs a year, right? That seems accurate. At least 15 bombs a year. You're giving Chris Bryant 26 million dollars a year, and I know it doesn't shake out this way. I think it's uh, either front loaded or back loaded. Uh, I remember looking at this and, and going, okay, well, it's not exactly around 26 per year, but if you divide it up, it's $26 million per year. So that's where I'm getting this figure. If you give it, he doesn't even hit that many per year. In his career, he only had over 80 runs batted in twice. One was 15, 2015. One was 2016. 16 was the year, again, he won that MVP in the World Series. He's never had 100 runs batted in. Remember, like I said, let's go to the comparison from a decade ago. When Prince Fielder was getting 24 or 26 million, whatever it is, it's this echelon that Chris Bryant got. Prince Fielder is 100 in his prime when he was getting that money was about 110 to 130, 35, maybe even 40 runs batted in per year type of guy. And he was getting that money. Chris Bryant has never had 100, has never had 90 has only gone over 80 twice, and it was back-to-back years in his prime, which was seven years ago. Do you see what I mean when, the, when I say that? When the Colorado Rockies just gave Chris Bryant this new deal for that MVP he won seven years ago. Six years ago. That's what this contract boils down to. There's no other way to explain it because he doesn't produce at this money. He's not a gold glove type of guy where... Even if he were to win a gold glove in the span of this contract, it's not like Nolan Arenado where he's going to hit 30 to 40 home runs per year, but he's worth it every penny that you're going to give him because he's just a guy who is going to lock down his position. Chris Bryant isn't like that defensively. He's not this He's not this outrageous knowledge of statistics type of guy. He's not this analytical guy that... You know, redefines like I think about Trevor Bauer when I think about how he he wears a ring on his finger to tell him all his valuables about himself, his heart rate and his cholesterol or whatever these types of rings that these players are wearing. Chris Bryant's not like that, at least from what I know. Chris Bryant, what is special about Chris Bryant that he deserves twenty six million dollars a year? I saw this contract and I thought, whoa! I can make an entire segment, which is what I'm doing on the Tony G Show. Just telling you how bad Chris Bryant is. This is the overpay of the century, and no one's talking about it. No one's raising any attention about this. Here are some more stats. Last season, 135 strikeouts at the plate for Chris Bryant. That was 51st most in Major League Baseball. Now, that's not like he's like the top 10 most strikeouts per year. You know, it's not like Mark Reynolds striking out 200 times a year. But the fact, even the fact that he's top 51 is like that, that alone. He should not get $26 million. What an overpay. So you want to think about the production that he does have, that you think he has. He's known for his power. Well, his OPS is only 834, which is 40th in MLB. You see what I mean? I mean, this is like a middle-of-the-pack guy. He Okay, I'll give you he's like upper echelon in the middle-of-the-pack structure. Okay, he's not that next tier. But he's like, you know, he he's up there. He's going to produce for you. He's worth... A good amount of money, but $26 million a year, $182 million guaranteed to the guy? No, no. 
He is not worth that. I went, you know, I, I said it again. I said it before and I'll say it again. Tony G does his homework. So I went and looked at some advanced stats, and I found an isolated power stat, which is the rate of extra bases per at-bat. He's at 216. He scores behind guys like Eduardo Escobar, who signed for only two years, $20 million with the Mets. He sc- that score of 216 isolated power is behind Matt Olson, who was just acquired and extended by the Braves. He only gets $21 million annually. Yet Chris Bryant's getting 26. You see the comparison I'm giving with these other two players. Eduardo Escobar is getting $10 million per year. Matt Olson is getting $21 million per year. Both less, significantly less, a couple million less than Chris Bryant, who is getting $26. He, the bottom line here is this is an overpay. Chris Bryant is an average payer, player at best. He's getting paid like this primetime Hall of Fame type of guy, and I don't see it. You can't. You cannot argue to me that this contract will be worth it. Now, you could say, oh, Colorado, they have the altitude or whatever, and now he's going to go hit 30 home runs. Okay. Even then, don't you think it would have been worth to go get Matt Olson, who I think is better than Chris Bryant? Matt Olson, who's just torn up. I mean, he, he would blast baseballs out in Oakland in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. You go get him, and I get it. Chris Bryant's an outfielder, kind of like a third baseman. Doesn't really do the third baseman thing anymore. And Matt Olson's this lefty first baseman type of guy. So it's not the same position. It's not the same thing. I understand that. But also at the same time, the argument stands that there is – you mean to tell me there's no one better than Chris Bryant to go shore up your outfield? Like doesn't it just seem – doesn't it just give that vibe that you gave him this amount of money to show the rest of the baseball world that, hey – we just, we just paid to shore up our outfield. We're a, we're a dangerous team. Look at this money we just spent on this former MVP. We're going to be a dangerous team next year. Guy's 30, okay? He's no Devontae Adams where he's 29 and going to get this new deal with the Raiders. And he's no Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams is the best in the world at his position. And Chris Bryant is like 51st. In Major League Baseball, that's what's that stat I just gave you. I mean, he's like an average to above average type of guy, and you just paid him $182 million guaranteed for seven years at $26 million a year. Think about that for a second. The reason I bring this up and I was so excited to talk about this is because nobody is talking about this. Not that these national outlets talk about baseball a lot anyways. But when they do, they aren't bringing up overpays, and this is the overpay of the century. And if that's being a bit dramatic and exaggerating a little bit too far, then this is the biggest overpay in recent memory for Chris Bryant. This contract, I've I've said it multiple times in this segment, and it's just winding down this segment, so I want to recap by saying this was the overpay of the century, the overpay because Chris Bryant got all this money for that MVP he won in 2016. His prime, his prime was six, seven years ago. 2015, 2016, when he won that World Series, when he won that MVP, when he was playing a stellar third base. And then the Cubs said, well, you know, we got this David Bodie and we got, you know, Javier Baez and we have these other infield pieces. They pretty much said to Chris Bryant, we got nothing for you. We'll shove you in the outfield for a couple games a year, but then once your contract's up here, Hit the road. Hit the road. You know what I'm saying? Hit the bricks. 
It seems like that's what the Cubs did to him. And then they traded him to the Giants, and he, he was productive there. I'm not, and, and again, I'm not saying he's not productive. I'm saying that he is not this productive. Guy's never had over 90 runs batted, never, never touched triple-digit runs batted in in a year. And you're telling, you're telling me that a guy who's only had over 80 runs batted in twice in his career is worth $26 million a year? Overpay! This is an overreach. All right? It's just incredible the teams are giving this amount of money to these types of players. I get that you know the trend in, in salary is increasing per year, but come on. Ridiculous. Overpay of the century, the Colorado Colorado Rockies, Colorado. Colorado Rockies committing uh, $182 million for seven years for Chris Bryant. Overpay of the century. Let's move on to this final segment of the, the Tony G Show. It's a bit of a sad one. Again, we're from a Wisconsin sports market, so it's with a heavy heart that I give you this, this segment. Wisconsin sports highlight in Badgers basketball where – their season has come to an end. The Badgers, in the round of 64, played a very good game, beat Colgate 67-60. That was a 14-3 matchup that I came in thinking the Badgers would win that game pretty strong. I mean, they would they would have a great showing. They would play quick, play fast. I thought, you know, this is the start of the tournament. They're going to be ready for this moment. They played big games against Purdue. They've knocked them off. They played big games and beaten Ohio State. You know, they kind of hit a roadblock with Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament, but then they'd be rested. They have like a week off, a week and a half off before they play this game against Colgate. And I thought that, you know, they play so strong. And it didn't, it didn't turn out that way. They got the win against Colgate, which they needed to do. That had to happen if you're the Badgers. But at the same time, it wasn't the best showing. I think it was around tied at halftime. You know, or Colgate was even probably leading. And it seemed like Colgate had leads, and Wisconsin really had to battle for that win. And it was a 14-3 matchup, and to me, that was a bad sign. Greg Gard, in post-game interviews and what he said to the team afterwards, made it seem like, you know, he gave off that vibe, that we got that one out the way, right? We got the tough game out of the way where we didn't shoot well, we didn't play clean, we didn't play fast. So let's just move on past that. You know, we got that out of the way, let's go have a good game Sunday night. And then... So that's the vibe he gave off, you know, and so the rest of Badgers Nation, all of, you know, everyone who watches Badgers uh, basketball was kind of like in good spirits. Hey, you know, we're doing good. You know, we got that one out of the way. We're going to play clean and quick from here on. I, I never really felt that way. I never felt comfortable with Wisconsin moving on to play Iowa State. So they get Iowa State in the round of 32. And Iowa State... This is an 11-3 matchup. The Badgers at one point in the second half, they threw up a stat. The, the Badgers are only shooting one of 17 from the perimeter, and it's like, okay, Chucky Hepburn gets injured. That's a huge loss. You can't underestimate that. And it just never seemed like the Badgers had anything going. You know, and, and, and this is the thing that they've done all year. I mean, a terrible offensive showing, it's not uncommon for them. They did it against Illinois earlier in the year. They've done it multiple times this year where they just cannot put the ball through the hoop. They couldn't pay for a, for a bucket, whether it was from three or, or right underneath the rim. Had a tough time rebounding as well. 
Tyler Wall had a just a brutal game, you know, and I take it easy on college kids because, well, one, I am one, but two, you know, there's a lot of learning to go to, to, to do when you're playing basketball at this level. There's a lot of other things that play into your play, and so I, I take it easy on them. But Tyler Wall, I mean, just putting it frankly, had a bad game. At one point, I was, you know, texting with my friends in the group chat. At one point, I didn't say this, but I was almost ready to. I hope the kid fouls out because he's just, he just needs to come off the floor. He was at four fouls late in that game, and it was like, let's just get him one more and try someone else in his position because this is not working. It's not. I mean, when you play like that, just turnover, 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 and then you miss shots, and you're not getting rebounds, and it's, you know, and, and he, you know, I, I don't, I make it seem like he was just, he's the reason the Badgers lost, but I'm just focusing on this one player now for the time being. He's not the reason they lost. He made a couple big shots. He went to the line, but it just seemed like his play perfectly encapsulated the rest of the Badgers on that Sunday night because the Badgers just did not show. There was just no, cleanliness there was no fluidity to their game it was it was just nothing there was no spark offensively he didn't even score 50 points I mean my goodness it's March Madness Iowa State is known even in football Iowa State is known for upsetting teams in in big games you know how many times from a few seasons ago did Iowa State football knock off top-ranked teams now, the two sports aren't really related besides the fact that they're the same school, but there's that same vibe with basketball and Iowa State, the Cyclones, that this is a team that will not go away. This is a team that will not let you win easily, that is not going to let you just parade into the locker room before that final buzzer sounds because you're up 20. That's not, a, that's not the way Iowa State plays basketball. That's not the way they lose games. you gotta, you got to play them tough, and Wisconsin just did not, just did not show was ne- never looked ready for this tournament, even against Colgate. And it's sad the way it happened because, you know, you're in Milwaukee. It's home field advantage. You know, you're supposed to go deeper than this with guys like Johnny Davis, Brad Davison, who were probably in their last year. And we'll talk about that in a moment to conclude this segment. But it seems like it's not the worst thing in the world because what would have happened? The Badgers get Auburn and then get shellacked in the Sweet 16. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Auburn didn't look that good in in the, the round of 32. But Auburn's – I think Auburn is a better team than the Badgers. Not that I think Bruce Pearl is better than Greg Gard as head coaches, but I think that just the way that Auburn has played this year, they've gotten big wins in big games. They've played tough against tough teams and opponents. I don't see the Badgers winning that game against the Auburn Tigers. I just don't see that. So it's not the worst thing in the world. It's sad the way it happened. You know, you're supposed to go deeper than this. You're supposed to get to that second, uh, I'm going to call it a round, but you know what I mean. It's not the round of 64th. You're supposed to get to that second round, that second weekend of basketball. Get to a Sweet 16, maybe an Elite Eight. You know, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna lose to Auburn, so be it in the Sweet 16. But, but you know, to come on, to lose like this, it just hurts. It hurts to watch, and because you know, got to give a goodbye to Brad Davison. I wanted to do this last, but I'll do it now because I want to talk about Johnny Davis to to conclude this segment. Thank Brad Davison for all he did for Wisconsin. Guy who spent a lot of time playing at the Kohl Center. Thank him for what he did wearing that 34 and his post game press conference. And there was a clip of it on Twitter. 
by the journalist who asked it of him. I think it was Evan Flood. I'm not 100% sure. I don't really remember where it came from. That's on me. But I remember the video. And Brad Davison, in tears, was asked, how do you want people to look at your career as a Badger? And he goes, I, w- I hope it's more than basketball. I hope it's when I hope someone recalls whether we a meeting or a handshake or a fist bump or a laugh. I, I hope someone remembers an autograph that I gave them or whatever, just remembers that I was more than a basketball player to the, to the school of Wisconsin, to the city of Madison. That spoke volumes to me. That spoke to me that Brad Davison really, one, didn't want his career to end that night, didn't expect it to end, but also... He knew that it was over. It just seemed like you just saw it. Like it hit him. It's over. Brad Davison's time wearing the red and white. It's over. So thank you, Brad Davison. Wish you the best of luck wherever you go from here. This begs the question, is Johnny Davis NBA ready? I've talked to a lot of people who say no. I've talked to some people who say, yeah, there was a poll on Twitter that I voted in, and I said, yes, he is ready because I think he is NBA ready, but it was 50-50. And it was over like 800 votes and it was like dead even. So at this point, I could tell you why John, why I think Johnny Davis is NBA ready. I think he is. I think he's got instinct. I think he's got speed. I think he's got natural scoring ability that will play at an NBA level. Could he use another year? Yeah, sure. Everybody could. But I think, you know, it comes down to what Johnny Davis will do. I think he's NBA ready. I predict he'll stick around for a year. Because if he has a great showing next year, another Big Ten Conference Player of the Year, then he'd definitely be a top five, top ten draft pick. But I think he's there already. I think he's top ten right now. What more do you have to prove? Conference Player of the Year. Took your team to the second round to lose you know, in, a, in, a, in bad fashion. But what more do you have to prove if you're Johnny Davis? You're one of the best players in the country. You took a team, a program, that was predicted to win, what was it, 7th, 8th, ninth, like 10th in the conference, and you had them win the regular season conference schedule. I think Johnny Davis is NBA ready. I think it just boils down to what he wants to do. I think if he wants to go to the NBA, he'll be a top 10 draft pick right now. But if he wants to stick around and increase his draft stock, then all the power to you. Wisconsin's not really known for having players in and out in a year. They're known for getting guys into the program and developing them and letting them grow a bit before they move on to the next level, whether it's pro ball or whether it's real life with their degree. Wisconsin's known for keeping players around, not necessarily this one-and-done type of thing. But I think this could be an exception because I I really do think Johnny Davis is NBA ready. But at the end of the day, there's some things that we could debate and debate and debate until the microphone turns off that – just at the end of the day, boils down to what the athlete wants to do. What the athlete calls is the best call for his career. It boils down to the judgment of the athlete. And and in this case, the athlete is Johnny Davis. Does he want to be a Badger? Next year, and it increases draft stock more as if I think he needs to? Or does he go to the NBA and becomes that top 10 draft pick? That's what I think ends up happening. Regardless, I don't get the final say. In this situation. I do get the final say in the Tony G show, however. We had a great episode, huh? I feel really good about this one. I wish Will McCormick could have added 
uh, with some stuff. But again, he's still on spring break. Can't fault him for that, man. I mean, I miss you. All the power to you. Last spring break in college. Go live it up, homie. So he'll be back Thursday, as will I, and the Tony G Show. I thank you for listening to today's episode. It was a good one. Follow me on Twitter, at Tony G Nation. On Instagram, at Tony Giordana. My website, TonyGNation.com. Check out my SNC Talk video, which is on that website now, along with other work that I have done. That'll do it. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you Thursday. This is the Tony G Show.